This is why you can sit inside a church your entire life and be lost as a goose. Why? Because the foolish heart is still darkened. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Giving your life to Jesus does. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you, and as we very intentionally just look to you. And God, I'm reminded of the challenges that we are dealing with in this westernized culture that is often so focused on self. And yet, God, when we open your word, we see that it's all about you and your glory. It's all about dying to self and serving others and making disciples that make disciples. So Father, as You speak in this time, I pray for my heart and I pray for every heart that's listening. That I pray that as our Bibles are open, so will be our hearts. And so Holy Spirit, we just continue to seek You and your leading, and your guidance, and your provision, your encouragement, your direction. And so as you do that right now in our lives, Lord, I pray that we'd be focused just on you. I pray that we would resist the enemy right now and he will flee. Give us courage to draw near to you, to run into your presence as we submit to You joyfully, and You will draw near to us. So Father, as we open these truths, Holy Spirit, will You right now begin to cultivate the soil of our hearts, the soil of our minds. Take these truths, and I pray God You drive them deep into our souls, into our minds, and that God, I pray that we'll never be the same again as we leave here today. And so give us a hunger for Your Word. Give us a hunger for Your truth. Give us a hunger to make a difference for Your glory. And we pray this all in Your mighty, in Your matchless name. In the name that's above every name do we pray. The name of King Jesus, that at the name of Him every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we pray this in His name and His name only. And all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to, I know this is going to be a shocker, but First Peter. So here we are in First Peter chapter 2. We've made it to verses 13 and 15. And as you're turning there, I pray that we will 
even right now, as we're opening our Scriptures and getting our notes ready to hear from the Holy Spirit, to write down what He's speaking to us, I pray that we would do so with such a desire, with such a hunger, with such a thirst, because I saw a report this past week, and they called it the 2021 State of the Bible. And I see these reports each and every year, and of course, each and every year they're more alarming as you read them. And there were several stats that didn't surprise me, but I broke my heart. But one statement that I want to read to you crushed me. And this is what it said in this report. Listen closely. Half of all American adults, half, qualify as a Bible user today. Half of all American adults qualify as a Bible user. Here's the definition. Those who use the Bible at least three to four times per year. End quote. That's where we are. (laughs) Welcome to America. That's where we are. Out of 365 days, if you open your Bible, it doesn't say that you digest it. It doesn't say you obey it. It just says that you're a user. Three to four times per year, that now qualifies you. If anyone is ever wondering why we're in a culture that's so insane and off the rails, that explains it. See, God's Word is true. God's Word is powerful. God's Word will set the captives free. It's not entertainment. It's not motivational speeches. It's God's Word. It's the truth of God's Word that as we drive it deep into the bedrocks of our soul, it will do the work that only it can do. One writer said it like this, here is the truth, poor theology, lack of devotion to God, and crummy living are the results of a refusal to engage in serious Bible reading and study and meditation. We are each responsible for delighting in God's Word and joyfully obeying it. The posture of our individual hearts will be revealed in our day-to-day life. See, so much of preaching today is that this message that is proclaimed is, is one that leads to the hearer focusing more on self. So much of preaching today is all about what can I get from God? Like, what can I get from him? He owes me something. And it focuses more and more into the self-enslavement of what can God do for me. When the Bible screams, just the opposite. When the Bible screams that it's all about him and his glory, and it's not about me, and and I'm here to deny myself and take up my cross and follow him and and to go make disciples and to make a difference, and will that draw a crowd? No, but, but we're not here to draw a crowd. We're here to obey Jesus. And it's so easy to get sucked into this entertainment mindset. You know, I'm not happy. I hear that often. I'm not happy. God's not concerned with my happiness. God's concerned with my holiness. And it's through the truths of God's Word 
as we open the pages of this glorious book and we begin to have a Bible that's open, which represents typically a heart that's wide open, a Bible that's wide open and a mind that's wide open that wants to feast on the truths of God's Word. As we dig deep and, and, and we go with our shovel, so to speak, and we just dig in there and we begin to mine the Scriptures, it gets illuminated. Our hearts and our minds get set aflame with an affection for God. You just want more and more of it. There aren't any shortcuts in this Christian life. There's no such thing as microwave Christianity. It doesn't exist. It's deep devotion to His Word, deep devotion to prayer, deep devotion to the Bride of Christ, deep devotion to discipleship. There aren't any shortcuts in this life. You plow ahead and you press on. That's why we love the Word of God at this church, because the end goal is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus not highly entertained false converts, not highly entertained backsliders. The goal is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. So how do we do that? We dig into the Scriptures. So here's what God's Word says. I'm going to pray that we're opening our Bible more than three or four times a year. Here's what the Word says in these glorious, glorious pages of the Bible in front of you, and I pray it's open. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13-15, through 15, as we ask, what is the will of God? What is the will of God for my life, for your life? Ever been there before? Ever asked what the will of God is in your life? Hey God, what's the will for you in this situation? You've got a big decision to make, and you say, God, what's your will? Do you, do you want me to buy this car? Do you want me to live in this house? Do you want me to go to this church? Do you want me to take this job? Do you want me to marry this person? God, what's your will for me? You ever pleaded with God? What's your will for me today, God? Well, here in God's Word, even though it's a broad question, I believe we're going to see His will in this instance. And it says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, as we deal with 13 verses over the next many weeks of what it looks like to submit to authority from God's Word. Here's what it says. 1 Peter 2, 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it, what? To be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by Him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now look at 15, our last verse. For this is the will of God. Don't miss this. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now remember from last week, so... When we study Scripture, if you're serious about your Bible study, if you're serious about being changed inside out from the Word, don't cherry-pick verses, the ones you like, you know, you got them on note cards and we plaster them all over the house. Those are good things, but just make sure you understand the context around those verses. So we look at our context here, and this is very, very key because when we unpack these 13 verses over the next many weeks about submitting to those in authority over us, it's very critical that you understand 
who he's writing to and what's going on in their lives. You got to remember that these are persecuted Christians who in this instance we've learned here recently are being slandered. Back in that culture, you got to remember that, well, just like in our culture today, that if you stand tall for Jesus, those that hate the truth only have one ticket to play, one card to play, and it's, hey, let me lie about the people that are actually proclaiming the truth. So back in that culture that these Christians are living for Christ, they're making a difference in the location that they've been planted, and sure enough, the schemes of the enemy are coming against them through slander, through defamation of character. Nothing's changed. That's the devil. He's the father of all lies. Everything he does is a lie. And so he employs his minions to carry out his bidding. And that's what's happening here in this culture. And you look back in your Bible in verses 11 and 12, and what does it say? Well, Peter urges, he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Remember, pause there for a moment, that we're in this world but not of it. So if you were a true believer, you're here, but you're just passing through. Like, you're just passing through. Like, I know this, I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm just passing through it. And my heart's plea to myself and to you is this, that I long to point people to Jesus. That's what I long to do. That's the heartbeat of why I exist. I exist for one reason, and that's to give glory to God as I point people to Jesus. And I'm just passing through this life. This is not my home. I'm not tethered to this world. Don't buy into that lie that you're here and this is your life. Because if this is as good as it gets, you're on your way to hell. He reminded them and said, look, you're sojourners. You're exiles. Yes, you're in this life and you've got to deal with this life. And it's hard and it's disappointing and it's frustrating and it's discouraging. And that was just this morning, amen? Like, it's really hard. But we just press on. We hold on tight to the One who took our place. And He's saying, look, you got to keep looking to Christ because what does He say next? He says, abstain there in verse 11 from the passions of the flesh which they war against your soul. See, church, sin actually is warring against us as we dabble with it. When we dabble in sin, it actually is destroying us from the inside out. It's going to war against us. There's no such thing as respectable sin or rationalized sin that God goes, hey, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal. No, God is holy, and all sin in His economy is a travesty. And I'll tell you this, when we live in sin, we're prideful, and we know from James that God opposes the proud. He's going to war against those that are prideful living in sin, but He gives grace, caris, unmerited favor to the humble. And here Peter is just reminding his reader of exactly what James was talking about, and he's saying, look, do everything, do everything in your power to resist, to abstain from, don't don't, whatever you do, don't play with the fire because you're going to get burnt. Don't play with the darkness. You'll get sucked in. And he says, as you're doing this, abstaining, 
He says this, keep your conduct, verse 12, among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, not if they do, mm-mm, mm-mm, when, take this to the bank, this check will cash. If you're like, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord, you better buckle up. Get ready. A, praise Jesus, you've said that. B, buckle up. Why? Because I'm telling you, when you stand for truth, the enemy hates you. And he's going to do everything in his power to slander you and to defame you and to discourage you. When, Peter said, not if, when they do this, when they speak evil of you, what do you do? Right here it says it so beautifully. When they speak evil of you, they may what? See your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we're extrapolating these verses as we continue now in 13 through 15. And here's the deal. He rolls in by the power of the Holy Spirit and says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, I get it, we don't have emperors today, verse 14, or to the governors, a bit different than what we're thinking of in our day, as sent by Him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Here's the concept. Don't miss this. We live in a culture today that hates submitting to anything or anyone. Here's the cliff notes on this entire section of Scripture. We may not like those who are in authority over us, but as long as what they are doing and asking us to do is not contradictory to the Word of God, very key, as long as it's not contradictory to the Word of God, we still show respect and honor to those who are in authority over us. Here's where this thing is completely off the rails. I gave you that illustration from the state of the Bible. People are Bible users if they read the Bible three to four times a year. How is it possible to be transformed by anything that you're only in three to four times a year? How's that even possible? Well, it's not. That's the whole problem. Because we live in these bodies of death, which we, we hate to be submissive to anything or anyone, the moment, the moment that the culture begins to just rebel as a vast group of people, the vast group of people begins to go, man, there are no rules. We just do whatever we want. I mean, I may not like it that the speed limit's 45 on Route 10. You don't see me pulling up speed limit signs, do you, and throwing it in my trunk. The whole point is this. If we're not careful, church, listen closely. If we're not careful, we're going to blow our witness. We may not like certain people that are in authority over us, but as long as, hear me clearly, as long as 
we are not being asked to do something contrary to God's Word, we follow through the laws of the land. you got to remember back in that culture, there were so many accusations against Christians. Why? That's what the enemy does. Truth and darkness. You're either in one camp or the other. You can't vacillate between the two. You're either walking today in light or you're walking in darkness. That's why people love entertainment. That's why they love motivation. (laughs) They don't have to deal with their sin. And then they never get transformed. They stay in the darkness. That's why we have a heavy diet of God's Word, verse by verse, word by word. Why? Because it's a truth that's going to set you free You don't need to hear about my grandson. He's amazing. Or my vacation. Or my hobbies. You don't need to hear about any of this. All you need to hear about is about this Jesus who is called the Christ. That He can take you today from the grip of Satan. He can take you today from the power of darkness. He can take you today and transform your life. That's who you need to hear about. But this being subject to is so important because I'm so fearful as I see people out there that are professing the name of Jesus and they're making themselves look like total idiots in front of everybody as they rebel. You know, we don't have to throw bricks and concrete blocks through houses and buildings to live in rebellion. God's Word is so clear. And that's why our key number one, I believe, is so important. Here's what key number one is. Write this down. And again, this is in the context of a true Christian. A true Christian, not a false one. Key number one, write this down. When we joyfully submit to those in authority over us, when, not if, we are slandered for following Christ, our witness will be great, when we do not rebel. Write this down. Key number one. When we joyfully submit to those in authority over us. When, not if. When we are slandered for following Christ, our witness will be great when we do not rebel. Have you ever seen this maybe in the workplace? Maybe in the workplace, you know, you know someone, maybe you, that, you know, you, them, they're being mocked for their faith. Oh, you're one of those Jesus freaks. (laughs) Yeah, wah, wah, wah. They're making fun. Picking at you, needling you. The more riled up you get, the more frustrated you get, the more they love it. They love it. That's the whole point. But when the countenance of the Lord is overtaking you, and you reply with a kind word and a soft answer, it totally takes the wind out of their sails. See, our greatest witness at times is when we're going through the slander like they were in that day, and you will, it's going to happen. If it hasn't already, just prepare yourself. I mean, who wants to be lied about? Nobody. Who wants to be criticized and had things said about you that aren't true? Nobody. 
but it's part of being a Christ follower. The Bible says this, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All. It's part of this life, and it's not going to get any easier. I can promise you this. In a post-Christian America, this is not going to get easier. But for those that are really in, for those that are true, that they've given their life to Christ and He owns them and, and they love the Word and they feast on it and, and they mine the Scriptures and, and they get in there and they dig in it and they write it on the tablet of their heart and they know that they're going to just be refreshed and rejuvenated for those difficult days that are to follow, it will bring life to your soul. Speaking of the Word, Think about this from Romans chapter 13, Romans 13, 1 through 2. Paul now writes, so Peter's writing over here, be submissive to. And by the way, when, when Peter writes here, he's giving this imagery, and I want you to paint this picture in your mind's eye, that when he says be subject to, he's saying be submissive to. He's given an illustration of a military commander, and all of those under him are falling into line. That's the visual he's painting here. So he's saying, be subject to, be submissive to, do it joyfully. Again, as long as it's not contradicting God's Word, we may not like that supervisor, but we respect that supervisor. We don't want to blow our witness. Well, here's what Romans says, chapter 13, Paul now writes, verses 1 and 2, let every person be subject to, interesting, what the governing authorities For there is no authority, this is so critical, church, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Wow. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Wow. I mean, going back to my illustration that I don't like the speed limit on Route 10. That's actually a truthful statement. I don't like the speed limit on Route 10. I don't like it. I have never removed a speed limit sign on Route 10. I've thought about it a few times, but I've never done this. If you see me today pulling out of here and getting on Route 10, and you see my car with the flashers on as I go down and remove all the speed limit signs, what's that going to do for my witness? I may not like it. Is it against God's Word? No, it's there for my safety. I don't rebel against it. I joyfully submit to it. This is the point. If we're not careful, we're going to actually lead people away from Christ and not to Him. Because we live in a culture where you just do whatever you want. Who cares if they're your employer? Now you just rebel. You tell them where to go. Yeah, this is your life. You're in charge. And then we got the whole other off the rails thing going on in our culture. You know, you just grab a bag and run into a store and load it up and leave the store. I mean, it's just insanity. This is what happens. This is what happens when the benchmark is reading your Bible three to four times per year. Welcome to America. We don't need God. We're going to rebel against Him. 
He's here to spoil all our fun, and so we're just going to do whatever we want. And God says, no, don't do that. If you do that, I'm going to war against you. If you do that, I'm going to war against you. I'm going to destroy you. Better repent. That's what he's saying. And it's so easy to get sucked into the darkness. That's why now Paul writes to Titus, Titus chapter 3. He says these incredible words, 1 through 11, as Paul is writing to Rome, to young Titus and Peter, and they're all writing something so similar. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit as we dig deep into the truth of God's Word, as we sink our teeth into it, as we lean into it. Listen closely to what Paul writes to Titus. Remind them, okay, to do what? To be submissive. There it is, to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show what perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray. Do you see this? For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, and passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Wow, that sounds like a crazy life, doesn't it? Verse 4, but when, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. He rescued us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out, He poured out on us richly and lavishly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Why? Verse 7, so that being justified, being declared righteous by His grace, by His unmerited favor, we might become heirs, heirs, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, verse 8. And I want you to insist on these things. Why? So that those who have believed, committed their life in God, may be careful, here it is, to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Now look at the warning in verses 9 through 11. If you want to see how seriously God takes this, look at 9 through 11 but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable. Think about that. For they are unprofitable and worthless. Verse 10, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Why? Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Wow. Wow. This is heavy. This is God's Word. This is why it's so important to be subject to God's Word. To be under it. Dear ones, we get under God's Word every Sunday. And again, the goal is not that 
that God can be the party pooper in your life. The goal is that God will set you free. The goal is that you'll walk in freedom and no longer in darkness. That that you won't play with darkness. You won't dabble with that center line in the road that's so easy to get blurred and crossed. But no, you get under it and there's safety under here. There's growth under here. There's life under here. That when you're under God's Word, it begins to infuse in you something that you've never had before in life. It's God's words. All the entertainment and all the motivational speeches, as great as they are, they will never save your soul. But God's Word will. Because it's living and it's active. And as it dwells richly in you and I, they will begin, those people around us, in the midst of the slander, in the midst of the accusations, in the midst of the criticism, they will see a calmness and a serenity about us. And even though they're attacking us, here's how warped this is. Those that attack you for standing for the truth, as they watch you be joyfully submissive, there's something alluring even to the foolish heart that's been darkened And prayerfully, the whole point of this is that they will see your good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. And prayerfully, your good response in the midst of the slander will actually be the catalyst, the domino that gets set in motion that they go, I no longer want to live in this darkness. I want to walk into the light. That right there is Peter's appeal to the reader then and the reader now. Period. You say, well, how do we know this? Well, look at our last verse, verse 15. It explains it. Verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Like, what is the will of God? We ask that. I ask it a bunch. It's like, Lord, help me. What do you want me to do? You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. And by the way, often God doesn't ask us to do in His will the easy things. More times than not, He asks us to do the hard things. The really difficult things He asks us to do. And to trust Him. Because He sees the end. We only see part of the parade, so to speak. We're looking through the hole in the fence. And He sees the beginning and the end. He's like, just trust Me on this. I know it doesn't seem like this is working out, but just keep being faithful. Keep being obedient. 
Stand tall in those families that are persecuting you today and slandering you, and, and they're calling you that Christian sissy. Because you're, you're willing to stand for the truth, and, and you're willing to lead your family in it, and you're being persecuted, perhaps at the workplace, and again, maybe the family reunion, wherever it may be, but my appeal to you, my encouragement to you is don't bend, don't buckle, don't break. You'll get to the end, and as hard as it is, you'll, you'll get to the end, and you'll have been faithful. And there'll be no regrets. It'll have been brutal. It'll have been difficult. You'll be beaten up on every level, but you just keep pressing on. That's what Peter is appealing the reader. He's saying, I get this. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Everything we do, we want to just make a beeline to the cross, as Spurgeon said. Everything we do, in this instance here, let's make a beeline to the cross. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the pain, I got the t-shirt. I understand this. It's hard. If I would have quit the number of times I wanted to quit, I would have quit a thousand times ago. But you just get up and you keep pressing on. Because you know this, there's going to be a day when I stand in front of King Jesus, I know this without any reservation, there's zero doubt, I know I'm going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It wasn't pretty, it was ugly some days, but you just press on, dear one. Oh dear one, hear my heart today, just keep pressing on. Just keep pressing on. Help's on the way. And His name's King Jesus. Amen? This is so interesting to me when you look at verse 15 because it says that by doing good. Look at that for a moment in your Bible, this ESV translation. That by doing good, loving in the face of people's foolishness is the note that I made there. What is the result? You should put to silence this means this in the original, to shut the mouths to muzzle. So for those that are slandering back in that day and in your world today, that perhaps they're slandering you, they're pushing against you, and maybe you're dealing with something really difficult, maybe in your nuclear family right there where there's conflict between your family. There's foolishness. You've got to remember, again, there's only light and there's only darkness. Those are the two options. You're living in one or the other. By the way, you can sit inside a church every Sunday for your entire life and be eternally lost. That's perfectly and easily possible. God's not concerned with my and your happiness. He's concerned with my and your holiness. And the more that we begin to latch on to that deep biblical concept, I see over and over in the Scriptures where God is pursuing me in a love relationship that will result in me being holy like Him. I don't see anything where He's pursuing me to make me happy. And yet, we have this message going out all across our glorious, free, at least for now, country, the United States of America, that it's all about you. What do you want? What do you want to hear? People are just being ushered into a godless hell. Oh, my heart weeps. Just weeps. 
as we've exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And comfort always leads to collapse. Ignorance and foolishness. The book of Proverbs has three categories of people. Those that are wise, foolish, and wicked. Wise, foolish, wicked. Matter of fact, when you look at the book of Proverbs, you see so clearly there that there's so many messages. And he who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. That's why you've heard me say over and over, be careful who you're hanging out with. I can't say this enough. In years of ministry, I've watched grown adults with zero spiritual discernment hang out with people with zero spiritual discernment, and they wonder why their family is an absolute train wreck and a five-alarm fire. They wonder. They scratch their head. Who you hang out with is who you will become. And God is very clear that He opposes the proud. And when you and I hang around prideful people, He's going to war against them and He's going to war against us. And He will never bless. It's like, on a, you know, it's like you're on a treadmill and you're running. You set it to 10 miles per hour, which is amazing on a treadmill. Good grief. And you're just running in place. You're trying to figure out, I've been doing this now for years. I'm not making any progress. Duh. And so many professed believers and so many churches are on a treadmill going absolutely nowhere. Insanity. Repeating the same things over and over again, expecting different results. And God's like, I'm over here. <laughs> I'm over here. I've been in the corner the whole time before you put me. If you just put me first and submit to me, then maybe you'll start submitting to those who are in authority over you. And that is the linchpin thought on this whole message is you and I will never submit to those in authority over us if we continue to be defiant towards God. It's all an outflow. Every human being that has ever lived is living an outflow. You're either in the truth and the light or you're in darkness and deception you're only in one or the other, and everything is an outflow of where you camp. If you're with God in His Word, in His truth, minding the Scriptures, feasting on His Word, loving His Word, lavishing His Word on other people, becoming a disciple that makes disciples, that you're just resolute, you're determined, three drops of rain don't keep you out of the church house. Man, you're just like, man, I'm there. I'm going to go make a difference. I want to set the tone. I want to be the game changer. When you begin to live that life, watch God work in your life. But as long as we keep up this God's my friend with benefits approach, we're going to expect different results and just continue to reap the same things. Have you ever wondered this, church? It crossed my mind here recently. Many times God doesn't move a home, a life, a business, a ball team, or a church from point A to point B because He's trying to tell them something back at point A. And through disobedience and defiance and stiff-necked toddler rebellion, what happens as adults, we don't want to submit to anybody. And God says, you need to submit to me. And you need to submit to those in authority over you as long as they're not going against my word. 
key number two, our final key, says it like this. When we live with persevering, very key word there, honor and integrity in the face of slander, those who are attempting to discredit us will realize that they have nothing more to say. Key number two, write it down. When we live with persevering honor and integrity in the face of slander, those who are attempting to discredit us will realize that they have nothing more to say. As one person once said, people may not read the Bible, as we already alluded to in the state of the Bible there, 21, but people will read you and I. They may not read the Bible, but they will read you and I. And that's why it's so important that you and I fall in love with this book. I can't appeal to you more than I'm appealing to you right now. But my prayer is is that you would fall in love, madly in love with the Word of God. It is truly the salvation of your soul. You say, well, how does that relate to this? Here's how it relates. Colossians, write this down. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. Listen to what Paul writes again as we're piecing this puzzle together of joyful submission, as we're looking at slander and persecution and trying to fit all this and package this together in one big, beautifully wrapped gift, if you will. Colossians 3, 23-24, whatever you do, whatever, whatever you do, how much is excluded from whatever you do, church? Not a whole lot, amen? Work heartily, here's the key, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Church, I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage myself today, that maybe you're, you're there. Maybe you're being persecuted. Maybe you're being slandered against. You're standing for truth. It's at work. It's in your family. It's on the ball team. Maybe it's at your church. And you're willing to be the one, to stand in the gap. Man, please hear my heart from God's Word today. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in His work. Why? You know confidently that the labor for Him is never in vain. Like it's never in vain. The smallest thing that you do, church, hear my heart on this. The smallest thing that you do, the text, the kind word, the voicemail, the note, the email, that you're reaching out, you're serving, you're loving people that maybe don't love you, but you continue to lavish them with your love. Don't lose hearts. It's never in faith. It's not. It's just not. You may feel like it. You may want to quit. But it's never in vain. That's why we don't grow weary while doing good. Because the Bible, the truth, the substance, and the aletheia, we stand on the living Word of God says this. And it's so beautiful. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you shall reap a great harvest if you do not lose heart. Oh, these momentary light afflictions are working out an eternal weight of glory. They're momentary and they're light. Now, I don't know about you, when you're being slandered, 
momentary and light doesn't come to mind. Amen? But in comparison to eternity, they're momentary and they're light. And there's something going on behind the scenes. As the slander and the difficulty that you're going through or I'm going through today, God is actually doing something behind the scene. He's working. He's producing. He's not asleep. He's not at recess. He's not on lunch break. He's actually doing something in the midst of the struggle. What a great encouragement that is, I pray for you and me today. Because God's Word tells us a stern warning in 1 Corinthians 1.18. And if you want to know about this light-darkness dichotomy, listen to what this verse says from the truth of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the Word of the cross, the Gospel, is folly is foolishness. It's where we get our English word moron. To those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved. To us who are being rescued. To us who are being illuminated by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God. Did you catch this? This is why you can sit inside a church your entire life and be lost as a goose. Why? Because the foolish heart is still darkened. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Giving your life to Jesus does. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Rescued people. And they understand their rescue. That's the key. They understand it. They, they get it. They go, oh, I see what I've been saved from. I've been pulled from the grip of Satan to the power of God. I'm no longer in the darkness. I'm walking in the lights. You don't go, I don't want to listen to this anymore. You go, give me more. Give me more. That's why MacArthur said the hardest person to win is a false convert. I know how true that is. That's why Psalm 1611 says it like this. Psalm 1611. Listen to these three components. So if you're if you're here today and maybe you are discouraged, maybe you're going through a hard time, and maybe you're standing for the gospel, and maybe you're just taking a beating. I get it. I feel like you're in a spiritual bounce house. I get it. Look at Psalm 1611. Well, this should refresh your soul. You, O oh God, make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you catch those three components? Take this away today. Write this on the tablet of your heart. See, right here the psalmist has come to this conclusion. Three things. He says this, You, God, You make known to me the path of life. Two things here. God's the revealer and there's more than one path. Uh-oh. God's the revealer. You make known to me the path of life. The path, your path, the narrow way. It's hard and it's difficult and few will find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Broad, happy, wide, entertainment-filled, motivational. The crowd gathers there. That leads to destruction. And many go in by it. 
The psalmist says, you, O oh God. He's singling in. He's dialing in and saying, God, it's you and it's only you. He says, look, it's no one else. It's not my family. It's not my friends. Not my job. Not what man says about me or doesn't say about me. It's not my bank account. It's not my retirement account. He says right here, he goes, you, God. <laughs> you, God. You make known to me. You. Just you. Only you. You. Yeah, because in your presence, in your presence, like communing with you in your presence, there's not partial joy, not half-hearted joy, but in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And oh, by the way, it's at your right hand, oh God, the psalmist says, at your right hand. Not in front of you, not behind you, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I remember when I was a little younger and my children were younger, we would on occasion go to this store of death called Toys R Us. And occasionally I would venture in there with my children. This has been a long time ago. But I can remember as they were small and I would park the car and get out of the car and open the back door and they're in their car seat. And of course, they're having a Baptocostal moment because they're so excited to go into this store of death. And I would take them out of the car seat and of course, they were tiny and so I would set them on the pavement as they stood there in their little shoes they would hold my hand, and what would they begin to attempt to do, do you think? Well, they're dialed in, right, to the mission. <laughs> the, the mission's pretty clear at this point, Dad. <laughs> See ya. We've got things to do. Well, as a good dad, as a good parent, what do you do? Well, you just let your kids run, right? Well, of course you don't. Now, what you do is you grab a hold of their little hand and you keep them at your right hand. You keep them right there. Why? Because see, I can see oncoming traffic. I can see other people that are walking. They can't see any of this. All they see is what they are desiring, that they're hungry for, so to speak, thirsty for the toy. And sure enough, even though that they would pull on me to try to get ahead, I would pull them back in line. And yes, after some joyful submission, begrudgingly, they would do what? They would walk in with me at my right hand. We would enter the store. I would turn them loose. And my wallet would suffer greatly. There's something about being joyfully submissive at the right hand of the Father. Because see, He sees the oncoming traffic. And He sees the potholes all the difficulties there and the things that want to harm you and me. And our job's not to get out in front of them, but our job is to stay right next to them and to stay in His Word. Oh, dear one, hear my heart today. Hear my pleas today. Be totally surrendered to the Lord. And I promise you, it's a decision that you will never regret. Don't fight against it any longer. Don't battle against it. Don't listen to the lies and the noise. 
Don't even listen to your own voice because your own voice will betray you. Listen to the voice of truth. How do you do this? People go, does God speak to you? I say, He actually speaks to me every day. And they go, whoa, you're a Baptist and you say that. Yeah. You know how I know that? Because I open His words. And He speaks through His words. He speaks through these words. And I know that since He's for me, who can be against me? I know greater is He that's than me than he that's in the world. And on and on we go as you write these words on the tablet of your heart. Why? That I may not sin against Him. Oh, how I pray we'll be a people that simply answers this takeaway question. And I pray we'll answer in the affirmative, truthfully. Takeaway question, has Jesus taken possession of my life? Truthfully, has Jesus taken possession of my life? This one question alone, I think, messes up people more than any other question. It's one thing to say, do you believe in Jesus? We can massage that one and kind of scoot around that one. We can, do you love Jesus? We can massage it and scoot around it. But to actually answer truthfully, has Jesus taken possession of my life? Like, does He own me? That'd be the simplified version. Does Jesus own you? Does He own me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And yeah, that's the whole point of what it means to be rescued and saved right there. If you somehow think you can be rescued and saved and still hang on to your life, you have no understanding of biblical salvation. The whole point of being rescued and saved is you see what you've been saved from and what you've been saved to, and you joyfully... You joyfully say, I'm giving everything to you. Yet so many people are fooling themselves and playing the game. See, Hebrews 13, 17 is a verse that, that really struck me as I was studying this text here about submission. And this text here in Hebrews 13, 17 applies to the context of the church, yes, but I believe we can also apply it to those who are in authority over us in other arenas. But here's what it says. Listen closely. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, pause there for a moment. So this is not about manipulation. This is not about tyranny. This is not about abuse. None of that is in play here. None of that. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch and watch over your souls. And this is the part that absolutely terrifies me. If you want to know what it's like to be inside the head of a pastor, listen to these words. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy. And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let me read this again. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Again, no manipulation, no abuse, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Church, I don't know if you know this, I'm going to answer for how I pastored you. I'm going to give an account and I've already made the determination. 
It's going to be the truth of God's Word. Verse by verse, word by word. Because I'll tell you this, when I stand in front of Jesus on that day, I'm not holding that bag. I'm not holding that bag. It's the truth that will set you free today. And I plead with you, I appeal to you today. As I have to keep watch over your soul and my soul. Man, that's double duty, isn't it? And the mantle is heavy. The mantle is heavy. I appeal to you. I plead with you today to fall in love with God's Word. Fall in love with it. Nothing in this life will satisfy other than God's Word. Oh, I pray you hear my heart, dear one. Oh, I, I pray you hear the love and the affection. I pray that you sense the urgency. I pray you sense the intentionality. And I pray the Holy Spirit will move in my heart and your heart at this very moment. See, it's so important that we understand this. Because the action step is this. Action step. As I stand for Christ in the midst of slander, I am resolved to remain steadfast and faithful to God's Word, all the while praying for those who slander me. Action step. As I stand, put your name in there. Make this personal. As I stand for Christ in the midst of slander, I am resolved to remain steadfast and faithful to God's Word, all the while praying for those who slander me. See, one of Satan's greatest tactics is to keep you and I out from under God's Word. Get out from under it because he knows. He's smart enough to know this. The truth will set you free. He knows this. He can quote Scripture. He knows this. So his tactic is, let me keep those humans out from under God's Word. Not submitting to it. Not under the shade. Not under the protection. Not under the pavilion. Not under God's armor. But get them out from under God's Word. But we don't need more of the world. We need more of God's Word. That's why, again, when our Bibles are open, typically our hearts and minds are also then when our Bibles are closed and we cross our arms, boy, that's someone who's really raring to hear God's Word and be changed by it, isn't it? No, man, we should come here and just, the Bible's open and the notepad's out and we're sitting on the edge of the seat and we're going, preacher, I didn't come to hear you. I came to hear from the Lord. Can you imagine what God would begin to do? Can you imagine what He'd begin to do? Oh, I pray for a revival and awakening. I pray that we'd be like Billy Graham. The Billy Graham, he penned these words and it was read to his family. And here's what he said. Listen closely. Just listen closely to what he wrote. I urge all of you, as he writes to his family, to walk with the Lord in a life of separation from the world and to keep eternal values in view, end quote. That'd be my appeal to me and my appeal to you. 
And I urge me, I urge you, to let's be separated from the world. We're in it, but not of it. Don't blend in with it. So often we, we look like, dress like, talk like, act like, say like, whatever, right? The world, we just blend in. We, there's no difference. No, we're called to be different. We're called to be light in darkness, not a part of the darkness. We're called to be the light in the darkness. Don't blend in. Don't get sucked in. Don't get absorbed into. Be the one, church. Be the one. Be the one who will set the tone. Be the one who will be different. Be the one in your home that says, you know what? Things are going to change today. Today, things are changing. We're going to follow God at any and all cost. That's what we're doing in this house. I'm going to be the one. Dads, grandpas, are you more concerned with your children and grandchildren's happiness or their holiness, truthfully? Like, how concerned are you and I about their holiness? They're going to give an account. 100% of people will stand in front of Jesus on that day. What's most important to us is going to be most important to them. Are we more concerned with their happiness or their holiness? Be the one. Be the one that says, in my church, I'm going to crucify myself and my personal agenda. Be the one who will be others-focused and selfless. And be the one who's going to be a disciple-maker. Be the one who loves others when they slander you. Be the one that says, yeah, I'll stand on the edge and, and I'll go make a difference and, and no one else wants to go serve. I'll be the one. Be the one, church. Be the one. Because we've only got one shot at this. The slander's a given. Welcome to the Christian life. But the decision is how we respond to it. When we rise above the fray and just stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on the gospel, on the mission. Be the one that says, you know what? I'm no longer expect the people to come here. I'm going to go get them. Be the one. Be the one. Be the one. I was reading this note that I was given years ago just this week, and I will close with it. In case you're suffering greatly from slander, a criticism that's not warranted, I want to give this thought to you that was given to me years ago. It sits there in my desk in my office at my house, and here's what it says. Critics are a dime a dozen. The comments from the man who points out how another man stumbles or where the guy who's getting the job done could have been done better simply do not count. The honor belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is covered with dust and sweat and blood, who strives courageously, who messes up, because there is no noble effort without mistakes and shortcomings, but who actually works to complete a task who knows what enthusiasm is as well as great devotion, who spends his life for a worthy cause, who at best knows success, and who at worst, if he fails, fails by daring great things. That man shall never be like those sad and cowardly souls who never know neither victory nor defeat. Press on in spite of the criticism and your shortcomings never give up, end quote. That's my appeal to you today. I don't know where you are on the done meter, 
But here's the deal. If you've given your life to Christ, just do the next thing and keep pressing on in faithfulness and obedience. Amen? Let's submit joyfully to our God. Let's submit to those He's put in authority over us. And let's watch Him bless as we obey and give Him the glory. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we come before You. Lord, as we worship You on this day, this day that we've set aside. Oh, Father, there's, there's so much today that's jockeying for our attention. There's so many forms of entertainment, Lord, that even right now are pressing in on us. Lord, I, I just pray for a move of Your Spirit. I pray for soft, tender hearts. Don't allow us to have rebellious hearts. Don't allow us to have defiant hearts. But give us soft, tender hearts that love Your truth, that love Your Word, that love Your people, that love discipleship, that want to make a difference, that want to leave the only legacy that really matters. And that's a life that you totally own. Totally. Total abandon. Total surrender. Oh God, I pray, would you move in this place? Would you bring revival? Would you bring awakening? Would you bring reformation? I pray each one of us will cry out even right now, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. Oh Lord, just raise up an army. An army of men, women, and students that are willing to count everything else as loss that Your name might be exalted. Oh, Father, as we submit to You, as we submit to Your Word, as we fall in love with Your Word and find our joy in its treasure, as we wash it over our souls, would You move in this time? God, I pray we wouldn't waste this time of reflection, of decision, but I pray we'd use it to choose right now whom we will serve. And I pray every person in the church house can shout today, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, would you move like only you can in my mind, in my heart, in our hearts, our minds. Do the work, connect the dots. Just do the work only you can do, God. This is going to take a work of you, but you can do it. So God, would you move right now as we humble ourselves, as we confess, as we repent, as we go low and you go high, as your glory rises above us, O oh God. Meet with us in this hour. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise and all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 
You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.